Hey, good morning once again. For those of you who may not know, my name is Chris. I am the lead pastor here, and I am honored to be celebrating uh, our mighty and powerful God with you and worshiping him this morning. We're glad you're here. Uh, we want you to be involved in what's going on here. If you're at home, we want you to be involved too, so we don't mind the amens and the claps and the shouting. And we don't mind that. We love it. In fact, we love it a lot. So let me pray for us, um, and then uh, we'll get started. God, we love you so much, and we just want to hear from you in this space. We want to uh, be a people who are soaking in your word. Help us to be doers, not just hearers of your word. Help us to open ourselves up to your truth. And most of all, God, cause us to, to leave here different, differently than we came in. Because the only reason for us to, 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 to hear what you have to say is so that we can become more like the people you designed us to be, God. So we ask that in this place. We ask that you continue to just uh, take over this place with your presence, God. Use me. Let all these words be yours, not mine. And make me your instrument in this time, God. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And together as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, type amen. I want to start today by talking to those of us who might be feeling a little anxious. And I'm not just talking about what we would think about the clinical definition of anxiety. Right, the heart palpitations and the stomach and all that kind of stuff, the paralysis, all that. I'm talking about those of us who might be a little stressed. Uh, those of us who might be a little worried about something. Those of us who feel that little day-to-day -day anxiety. Maybe, maybe you are, you know, in this time, in this place, maybe you're a little bit worried about uh, your future. And maybe you're a little bit worried about what's coming down the road. Maybe Maybe you're feeling a little bit of the financial crunch, right? That's something that's really hitting a lot of people hard today. When I went and filled my, my gas tank up uh, the other day, it cost me $80. I mean, that's a lot of money to spend in a gas tank. You can't even see the gas. Of course, it does get me from place to place. But still, that's, that's happening everywhere, right? Prices are going up. There's a lot of financial stress. Maybe you're anxious over a health problem, a health issue that's coming up. Maybe you're a little worried about it. Something's been going on and you're not sure what's going, uh, you know, what, what it is and you, you doctors can't find a reason or maybe it's something that's been lingering forever and ever and ever and you're just kind of tired of it. You're kind of spent, right? And maybe you have a decision to make. Maybe there's something big coming down the road. Maybe it's about your future. Maybe it's about, you know, something that, you know, job change or something like that causes a little bit of anxiety. Maybe you have kids and you're worried about their future. You're worried about the decisions they're making. I've been there. You're worried about their safety. Maybe you're in a relationship or a marriage that has seen better days. And that's causing some anxiety in your life, some stress. Maybe you don't like your job. I mean, it is a J-O-B. We're not supposed to really love it, but, you know. There's, there's not liking your job, and then there's a job that causes stress and anxiety. Maybe it's just your schedule. You know, we live in a world where we cram everything we can into the 24 hours a day we have, and then we wonder why we're anxious about things. We wonder why we're worried about things. I'm talking to you people today, and me. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm talking to those of us who are feeling just a little bit anxious. We're starting a new series today called Anxious for Nothing. And today's 
title is called When You've Had Enough. And God, we just ask that you, uh, once again, just open up your word and your truth in this time so that we can learn from you about how to deal with the stresses and anxiety of this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this series, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to take one piece of scripture. It's in Philippians chapter 4. So you can go ahead and open up there while I kind of set it up. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to take one piece of scripture. And from that piece of scripture, we're going to find four separate ideas, four separate uh, nuggets from God on how to deal with these feelings of anxiety, these feelings of stress in our lives. Now, here's what I find most interesting about not just this passage, but about the book of Philippians in general. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians while he was in Roman prison. He was in jail. Paul was in jail when he wrote the book of Philippians, and there's some of the most uplifting, encouraging things about dealing with the stresses and tough times in life that you can ever imagine from a man who was writing from prison. Paul saw his share of stress and anxiety. In fact, this is the book where he says, you know, I might be locked up, but all I can say is that I'm in chains for Christ and the gospel is being spread. How would we like to have an attitude like that no matter what wave was crashing over our head. Amen. Amen. And so what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, Paul from prison. Did I say that Paul's in prison? Says this rejoice in the Lord always. And as if it wasn't just enough to say at one time, he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Can you imagine having a spirit that rejoices in those times that we would normally feel anxious? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Everybody say the Lord is near. The Lord is near. That's what we're going to be talking about this week. He says, do not be anxious about anything. That's where this title of this series comes from, because many translations say be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. By say amen, give somebody a high five or a fist bump and say, get ready for God's peace because the Lord is near. That's right. That's right. I was waiting for somebody to say it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I am. Um, I'm going to start with just a little bit of a background about my family. Some of you may know this, and um, my family, believe it or not, deals with quite a bit of anxiety in all different kinds of flavors and forms. Um, and, and you might look at me and, and, and think, if you know me, uh, Chris, we find it hard to believe that you really deal with anxiety at all because. Most of the time, I, things just roll off. That's true. Most of the time, I, things don't bother me. But I suffer from all these stresses and all these anxieties, just the same as everybody else. Now, that we all handle it a little bit differently in my family, right? Sometimes parts of my family will, will just get into this place of, of uh, being crippled by the anxiety, right? We get all up in our heads and stuff. Mine doesn't really play out that way most of the time. You can tell when I am anxious. You can tell when I am worried because I get aggravated. I get angry. I get short, right? If anybody remembers certain types of build-outs, you know exactly what's happening, right? 
You know, when Chris starts giving you one-word answers and scowling on his face, he's probably worried or anxious about something. But I say this because you're not alone. We all, every single human being on the face of this planet, deal with some form of anxiety or some form of worry or some form of stress in our lives. And that worry, that anxiety, that stress will have some effect on you, either in your relationships, either in your kind of brain thinking or in your relationship with God, whatever it is, it will have some effect. And if you're out there saying, not me, I'm saying, yes, you, everybody does it. Everybody suffers from the same feelings of stress and anxiety. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. And our human response is, is that even possible? Does anybody think that? Is it even possible to be anxious for nothing? Is it even possible to not worry about the things in this world? Is it even possible to not be stressed about those things? Because let's face it, we kind of live in the age of anxiety, right? We kind of live in that space. That's the way culture is. First of all, it's so fast paced. Everything's moving at the speed of light. It's kind of hard to catch a breath metaphorically, but sometimes it's so overwhelming that it's kind of hard to catch a breath physically. Do you know that 91% of the Gen Z population, that's the, the, the young men and women who are like high school, college, just starting their careers, 91% of the Gen Z population suffer from significant stress and anxiety about their education and about their future. Those are the leaders of tomorrow. Some of them are the leaders of today. 91%. I found that so amazing that that many young kids who should be in the prime of their life, enjoying things, out living their best life, are suffering from this kind of stress and anxiety. But as adults, it doesn't get any better. We're, we're like all over the place. I got a job to keep. I got bills to pay. I got kids to protect. I got a marriage to save. Is, is, is it even possible to be anxious for nothing? That's a good question, and if you're battling with something right now, or you have battled with something in the recent past, or if you haven't, I said this a couple of months ago, you're either uh, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm, or going into a storm, it's going to happen. If you have battled with that, if anxiety has crushed you, if worry has overtaken your spirit, if stress has just brought you down, maybe we can learn something from a guy from the Old Testament by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and you might think a prophet anointed by God, blessed, all that kind of stuff, um, wouldn't have any problems, wouldn't have any cares. But Elijah struggled with anxiety a lot. And I'm hoping we can learn something from him today. Elijah, by the way, just a kind of a 50,000-foot view of Elijah. Elijah, as I said, was a prophet, God's instrument. So God told Elijah... Uh, go out and prophesy to King Ahab because King Ahab had led all the people to worship a God by the name of Baal, B-A-A-L. Uh, King Ahab was a horrible, awful human being. They did some really nasty things, which I'm not going to say in mixed company. But God told Elijah to go prophesy to King Ahab uh, about his sin, trying to bring him back under God's kind of reign. And Ahab didn't like that. For three years, King Ahab pursued Elijah. 
Elijah went into hiding. He depended on the providence of God. God fed him bread. God fed him meat from the ravens. He raised dead. You know, Elijah was under the umbrella of the Lord God. In fact, at one point in time, this is the coolest story in all of Scripture, I think. At one point in time, Elijah confronts Ahab and his 850-some-odd false prophets. And he's like, well, if your God is so good, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little competition here. Not that I'm a competitive person. We're going to have a little test. We're going to put a bull up on the altar. We're going to build up this altar. We're going to put a bull on it. And then you guys are going to pray to your God, and I'm going to pray to mine, and we're going to see who can send down some fire to burn this sacrifice. (laughs) You go first. That's what he said. So we got all these false prophets, all these Baal-worshiping people, they're singing and they're dancing and they're calling out to Baal and they're, oh, please, send down the fire, send down the fire, send down the fire. And I can imagine Elijah just kind of sitting back like this because this went on for hours. This went on for a long time. And you know what happened? At the end of all that, you know what happened from their false god? Nothing. Elijah's like, hold my wine. <laughs> he says, all right, I'm going to up the ante a little bit. Not only am I going to call down fire, but what I want you guys to do is I want you to dig a whole moat around here, and I want you to fill it with water. Fill it with water all around the altar. And Elijah calls out to the one and only true God, and he says, God, send down some fire. God sent down a fire, not just to burn the bull as a sacrifice, but so intense that it dried up all the water that Elijah had poured in the moat. I think that is the coolest story in all of Scripture. And he he stood down those 850 false prophets. And I'm like, I might be a second-degree black fellow, but I couldn't even stand down one person right now. He stood down 850 false prophets calling down fire from heaven. He was in God's favor. But then something happened. King Ahab's wife. Now, if you thought King Ahab was bad, his wife Jezebel was way worse. Was way worse. She found out that he had defeated 850 prophets of their Baal-worshipping sect. And she said, Elijah... I'm going to kill you. And she wasn't just like, I'm going to kill you. She was like, I am going to kill you. She had a vendetta. He stared down 850 men. It only took one woman to bring him down. Elijah, remember, had the nonstop protection, the 24-7 provision, the, the, the presence and the power of God in his life all the time. And it only took one really grumpy woman who made a threat to him for him to fall apart. I just call it like I see it. I'm just reading the word here. But he made some mistakes, right? He made some mistakes when he got into this kind of situation, some things that we all do. So I want to read this. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 3. So after Jezebel threatened his life, put out a hit on him, called her henchmen, whatever she did, it says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah... He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. And then he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Can you imagine coming to that place? where you just throw up your hands to God and you say, I have had enough, I want to die. And maybe you've been there. 
I mean, if we have kids, we've all been there, right? I mean, you know, after like a week of being at home during the summer vacation of your kids being like, Mom, I want some breakfast. Mom, I want some lunch. Mom, what's for dinner? Mom, I want some breakfast. Mom, can I watch Bluey? Mom, can I watch this? Mom, can I turn on YouTube? Dad, 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 dad. You're like, I've had enough. I just need some peace and quiet. Anybody relate? Can anybody relate? I mean, come on. Can anybody relate to that? We've all been there, right, with our kids, but there's other things in life that just build up and build up and build up and build up to the point where we have to throw up our hands and say, I've had enough. And look, I can, I can usually handle a lot of stuff. I've been at my job for over 20 years and, and a couple of more before that at a different job doing kind of the same thing. And I consider myself to be like a, an amazing multitasker. I'm usually working two, three, four projects, doing a whole bunch of support, taking calls, answering emails, dealing with people at work, all this kind of stuff. And I can usually handle that. Like, right, you know, without issue, I'm just there and I'm calm and I'm cool and I'm collected. And I've been working that way for a long time. But every once in a while, there will be like this flurry of stuff that comes in. And a lot of times it's like what we call a picnic. You know, people come with their problems. You don't know what that is if you're not in the computer business. But a picnic stands for the problem is in the chair, not in the computer. We also call that an ID10T. You'll figure that one out when you leave. Um, but that's a whole different story. And every once in a while, this flurry of activity will come in. And I'm just like... I have had enough. Fortunately, I can get up from my desk now and go out and sit on my deck for a while and, and kind of let it go. But, but we've all been there. We've all been in that place, if we're honest with, with ourselves, that whatever it is, maybe it's just life in general, maybe it's kids, maybe it's family, maybe it's job, maybe it's health, maybe it's finances. We just have at some point in our lives come to the place where Elijah is and we're like, I've had enough. But Elijah... In this short passage, makes four mistakes that we so often make when we're in this place of anxiety and stress. The first thing we do is we run ourselves into the ground. Now, Elijah physically ran. Elijah says, I'm out. She's going to kill me. I'm out. He ran for his life. In fact, he ran so far, he couldn't run any further. It says that he came to a broom bush. A broom bush would have been somewhere near water. So he went, it says a day's journey, probably to the edge of some water somewhere where he couldn't go anymore. He physically went to the limits of all that he could go. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing in our lives when we're under stress. We think somehow that working harder, doing more, trying to get out of it is going to fix the stress, going to fix the anxiety. And all we do is we end up running ourselves into the ground. And I'm terrible at this. I, I had this really bad habit of never resting. I, I do. And if you guys remember when we built this place out, right, th that was a seven-week project. We transformed this, not just me, but this church transformed this place this was a carpet. Right where I'm standing would have been carpet samples, right? We transformed this place from a carpet store and offices into a church in seven weeks. And I just like, I was worried because I had set this deadline and I'm just thinking to myself, every day is going by and it's taken us like three weeks to drop down a plaster ceiling and it's taken us like four weeks to get something done. And it took us like six weeks for them to just move a stupid air return duct out of the way so we could paint. And I'm thinking about all this kind of stuff and I'm thinking the deadline's coming, the deadline's coming, the deadline's coming. And on the Friday before we had our first service here, Susie had to pull me out and she said, you need to stop. She said, you're gray. My complexion had changed. I was like, she's like, you're, if you go one more, you're going to fall out. 
This is what we do. We run ourselves into the ground when we're in these places of anxiety, when we're worrying, when we're trying to make deadlines. And God doesn't want that. God wants peace in our lives. That's what he wants. So the first thing we do is we run ourselves into the ground. The second thing we often do that Elijah did is we shut people out. All my worries are mine. I can't share them with anybody. He left his servant. He left his most trusted and loyal companion. This would have been the guy, by the way. This would have been the guy who could talk Elijah off the edge. This would have been the guy who could have spoken into his ear and said, look, Elijah, I know it seems bad, but it's really not as bad. God has been faithful. God has been there for you. God has given you his providence. God has given you his guidance and his protection. Come on. It's not as bad as you think it is, but he's like keeping it. He just ran. he's, He's like shutting people out. He internalized the problem. This is what we do. And we're like, nobody else will understand. Nobody else has been there. Nobody else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. My problem is so unique and so particular in the whole history of human existence. Nobody else could have ever gone through what I'm going through right now. And we just shut down. We shut all all the people out. And this, by the way, here's a, a shameless plug. This, by the way, is one of the chief reasons that we all need to be involved in a small group, a small group of people. Because it's great. I love the fact that you guys hang out here after church. Don't hang out too long today because the Ravens are playing at 105. And your boy, yeah. <laughs> if you're a baseball lover, I guess, go over. I don't know. Um, I love that. I love the fact that you guys are comfortable enough and you, you have that bond that you stick around here and you talk for a while. But there's only so much that can happen on a Sunday. It is so important for us to be with a group of people because I guarantee you, Whatever you're going through right now, somebody else has already gone through it. Or somebody else has gone through something similar. This is what God does with us. He uses our misery. He uses our anxiety. He uses the situations in our lives to prepare us for a ministry to help other people. So when you're out there shutting people out, when you're out there being all alone saying, woe is me, cloud, Eeyore cloud raining over me all off in the wilderness by yourself, there is somebody in this church probably sitting right next to you right now who can come next to you, who can come beside you and commiserate and help you along because they've already been through it before don't shut people out next thing we do is we focus on the negative this is what elijah did he threw up his hands and said i've had enough and then he said i'm no worse no better than my fathers my ancestors who had their own set of problems but why do we do this i know i'm not alone we get into these places of anxiety and stress and we start saying things like, oh, life is just not going to get any better. I guess this is what I got for the rest of my life till I die. I've been doing this for so long. It's pretty much my norm. I'm just, it's not going to, there's nothing I can do. Why do we do that? I'm never going to get into the right college. I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to meet that person. I'm always going to be a terrible mom. I'm always going to struggle financially. I mean, my father struggled financially. He could barely put food on the table. My, his father struggled financially. You know, it's, oh, it's just way, it's way my life's going to be. Why do we do that? We can't. There is so much more. God is near. The Lord is near every step of the way. 
He was with Elijah, and Elijah forgot that. He's just focusing on the negative. And that's the fourth thing we do, right? We forget God. Because every step of the way in Elijah's life, God was there in every moment, in every situation. God was faithful. God had been present. God had provided. God had protected. And Elijah just forgets all that. He is in the middle of his anxiety. He is facing his fears and forgetting his God. I don't even know how that's possible. Because his name, this is going to blow your mind. His name, if you take it in two parts, E-L-I and J-A-H, E-L-I is kind of a short form of the word Elohim, which translates as God. And the word J-A-H, Yah, translates as me or my. His name literally means my God is Yahweh. How could he forget his God in his time of anxiety? It literally means my God is Yahweh. And there's this image. Um, and, and as I tell this story, I want, I want to be real clear because there is, there is for a long time been um, stories out there. Okay, I don't know how else to say that. Um, but let me back up. All right. I'm going to back up to the back, back, back. In the original manuscripts for the Old Testament, the name of God, Yahweh, was written Y-H-W-H. They didn't write vowels. And so there's a lot of writings out there that says that was done on purpose because it is the breath sounds that we make. That is not true. What is true is they didn't use vowels, and so that's the way it was because every other word in the Old Testament also didn't have vowels. But I think it's an amazing image to think about it that way, that if we just said those letters, Y-H-W-H, it kind of is like the sound of us breathing in and breathing out. It's just an amazing image to think that my God is my breath, my God is my life source. Just like Elijah's name, my God is Yahweh. We can think that. My God is my life source because isn't that who he is? Isn't that exactly who God is? He is our breath. He is our source. He is our strength. He is our sustainer. He is our lighthouse. He is our anchor. He is our rock. He is the ever-present help in all times of trouble. When you're anxious, he's there. When you're nervous, he's there. When you can't catch your breath, he's there. When you have this place where you come to, maybe it's clinical anxiety where you just can't breathe and you're afraid and you can't go outside, he is there. When you're facing your fears while forgetting your God, he He is near. God is not distant. God is not far from us. God is not impersonal. God is not looking down saying, well, you guys did this on your own. You just go. And he's not judging us either. Notice what he didn't say. Elijah's falling apart. Elijah's like, I give up. I've had enough. God, take my life. And you notice what God doesn't do. God doesn't boom his voice down at Elijah and say, pull your panties up and just stand up and have some more faith. He doesn't do that. That is not the God that we serve. In fact, he met Elijah in his very personal, anxious, worried moment of need. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. God speaks to Elijah. It says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Could you imagine getting a message like that? You're like on your computer one day all wrapped up in your anxious thoughts and this voice comes out and says, God's coming by. Go out and go out on your front step and and watch for him. 
Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? It would be. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper is where God was. The Lord is my breath and my source and my strength and my sustainer. All these amazing things happen while Elijah's standing up on that mountain. The wind comes, but the Lord was not in the wind. The earthquake comes, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The fire comes, but the Lord was not in the fire. God was not at an earth, wind, and fire concert. God wasn't in the remarkable things. God wasn't in the ordinary things. God was in the whisper. And we ask this question all the time. Why is it, God, when I am just at the end, and I say I've had enough, when I'm overwhelmed by my stress, when I'm overwhelmed by my anxiety, God, why do you seem so quiet? Why can't I hear you? Why doesn't God speak to us in spectacular and powerful ways? Why is that? If he wants us to know him, if he wants us to count on him, if he wants us to know he's here, why wouldn't he, if he wants us to trust him, why wouldn't he shout in some loud voice? Why does he choose to whisper? You ever thought about that? I want to illustrate it this way. If I'm standing here, Dave, turn the mic off for a little bit. Just for a second. Y'all can hear me, right? And nobody has ever accused me of not being heard in a crowd. You can put it back on now, Dave. Nobody has ever accused me. In fact, when we're in a crowded place, I speak and people can hear me. It's just the way it is. And that's the way it is in normal conversation, right? If, if you're sitting right there in the front row and I'm right here and we're talking normally, that's all good. We can stay there. There's distance between us. But if I were to start speaking just a little bit softer, what happens? We need to move closer, right? We need to move closer. And if I started just whispering in that spot, you'd have to move real close. You'd have to get to this point where you're like face-to-face, nose-to-nose with that person. And if you really wanted to get intimate, you could go even softer where you have to whisper in their ear. See, we ask this question, why does God whisper? Why doesn't he speak to us in a loud voice? The devil's the one that shouts the lies. The devil is trying to speak louder than everything else that's going around so that we go in his direction. He's shouting things like, God's not going to help you. He's not here. Do you hear him? Do you hear him? You hear all that noise? You don't hear God in that, do you? He's shouting, oh, your anxiety is just who you are. It's never going to get any better. You're never going to be able to handle this. You might as well just give up now. The devil shouts all these lies, but God whispers truth and he does that because he's drawing close to us in those times when we don't think we can handle anymore in those times of stress those times of anxiety but he's not just drawing close to us he's drawing us close to him because in that whisper we need to get close in that still small voice 
We need to be right there, face to face, nose to nose with God, maybe even hugging him so that our ear is right by his lips as he's doing that because he is with us through all of the anxiety, through all of the stress, through all of the worry, through everything you're going through, he is here and he will never leave you. If you're brokenhearted, he is close to the brokenhearted. If you are overwhelmed, he saves the crushed. If you are struck down, he says, you are not abandoned. He says this, there's lots of promises in scripture, but I can tell you the one thing that is in there the most is that God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. God is walking with you, in front of you and behind you. He puts a hedge of protection around you. This is who God is. You are not alone. He is near and he is speaking to you in that still, small whisper to draw you close into him. This is the God we serve. My biggest source of anxiety these days, the thing that causes me the most stress, the thing that sometimes wakes me up at night, is you guys. It's the church. Not for like dumb reasons, but we wonder, you know, Susie and I worry all the time. Are we really following God's will? Are we really humbling ourselves enough to hear what he has to say? Are we doing the right things? Are are, are people, you know, receiving what they need? And more than that, because we don't care. Honestly, we do not care how many people sit in these seats. What we care about is the transformation that happens in these seats. And we all the time are stressed and anxious, just making sure that we are shepherding you guys enough that your, your roots are growing deeper and deeper, that your walk with Christ is getting more meaningful and more powerful, that your discipleship, that that place you're in is always growing, that you are growing closer to him, closer to him, closer to him. That is the thing that causes me the most anxiety in all of my life. And it causes me a lot of anxiety because I love you guys. I love you guys. I'm I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. This is not a way to pat myself on the back. But thank you. Thank you. And I will probably always worry about that. But every once in a while, God will let me know something. We went to Fort Smallwood Park last Sunday. Saturday, I think it was. And we walked around the trails for a while. And when we were done walking around the trails, we found this tree that was right by the water. And we sat down on the tree, and we were just there being silly and talking and stuff. And there's always there's these big white rocks up there, and there's always a bunch of guys fishing on, on those rocks. And we never see them catch anything. I mean, we have seen lots of men fish up there, and we have never seen one fish being caught. And these guys got it all, man. They got, like, big old, like, 30-foot-long bay rods. They're out there casting. They got, like, tackle boxes all over here, coolers and stuff like that. And we're just sitting there watching them, having a good time. But then this one guy was there. He had a little tiny fishing rod like you would just buy at, like, Walmart, you know, standing on the rocks. I don't think he had any tackle. He just had, like, a, a bucket of worms, I guess, or whatever he was using as bait. And he just stood there. And time after time. He would throw that little rinky-dink fishing rod out there, and he would come back with a fish. Not a big fish. I mean, they were, they were like comical fish. They were like this big. He would take them off and throw them back. But, but every time, every time, and we had just had a discussion before we left for the park. Are we doing the right things? Are we honoring God with our service and ministry in this church? And in that spot, through that anxiety, through that worry and stress, God shows up 
And he says, you just keep casting that rod. You just keep doing it. You just keep going. You're going to pull those fish back up. You just keep casting that rod. I can't tell you the peace that came over Susie and I. We just kind of sat there, and we're like, we couldn't even say anything. We were like awestruck by that. Through your anxiety and through your worry and through the stresses of everyday life, we have got to come to this place where we realize that God's presence is enough. God's presence is not just enough. God's presence is more than enough. God's presence is more than we will ever need. The Lord is near. He is your breath. He is your source. He is your strength. He is your sustainer. He is everything we need. It says the Lord is all that we are. He created us. He wants the best for us. He wants us to be, have peace in our lives. He wants us to have joy. He doesn't want us to be anxious and worried. He is enough. And here's something to think about. Spoiler alert, if you don't know the end of Elijah's story, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to kind of summarize it. Um, In 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah and his prophet Elisha, Elijah and Elisha, are walking down the road. They're kind of like, you know, just doing their kind of prophet thing, walking, 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 walking. And the heavens open up, and a chariot of fire like, you know, Roman chariot, like you see in like 300 and all them Roman movies where people are doing all that kind of stuff. Chariot of fire, pulled by horses, comes down and swept Elijah from the earth to heaven in a whirlwind. And that may not seem like a big deal, but think about this. The thing that Elijah feared more than anything, the thing that brought him to that place where he said, I have had enough. I'm going to die, Right? Jezebel is out to kill me. Never even happened. In fact, he didn't even experience normal human death. He got taken from this earth to heaven before he ever had to experience any of that. He was anxious for nothing. What he feared never came to pass. And I know there's somebody who needs to hear this today. I know there's somebody who needs to hear this. And when we're in those places of anxiety, when we're in those places where we feel crushed and abandoned and, and, and we just can't take any more, we've had enough, I want to tell you there are only three possible outcomes to those situations. The first is what happened to Elijah. That thing you're worried about, that thing you're anxious about, it just never happens. Sometimes we, we make up scenarios in our head and we build them up to a point that just spins us in a tailspin downward. And it just never happens. The second thing is, it happens. But it's not nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be. It's another thing we do. We magnify the problem by continuing to replay it in our head, right? We got that on loop. We got that on repeat. And it's just going over and over and over again. Oh, this is going to be bad. 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 It's going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. This is going to be the end. This is going to be the end. And then when it happens, it's not that big a deal. And the third is this. It's possible that the worst case scenario will happen. It's possible. It happens. 
God doesn't ever promise that bad things won't happen, but he says he's going to be with us. And when that happens, here's what we have to lean on. God will carry us through. God is always faithful. God is always for us. God is always with us. He never leaves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us on the cross so that our condition of sin can be forgiven once for all time for all people so that we can be reunited with God so that he can carry us through the anxious times and through the worry times and through the fearful times this is what god does he never leaves us this is why paul says we can be anxious for nothing we can rejoice because the lord is near this is why he whispers because he's close because he draws us close So be anxious for nothing. Take your prayers and your concerns to God because he is near. And the text tells us that when we do that, the peace of God, the text says, which transcends all understanding. That means we can't even understand it. It means when the storms are crashing and we're trying to keep our head up, there is this peace that comes over us that we're like, where did this come from and how did this happen? And hopefully we're like, thank you, God, because that's what happens. This peace that we can't even understand protects our heart. Why does it say it protects our heart? Because if left to our own thoughts, if left to our own anxious thoughts, our hearts will become polluted. Our hearts will become bitter. Our hearts will become hard. But when we turn to God, when we listen for the whisper, when we realize that he is always near, his peace guards our hearts from all that so that we can enjoy that closeness, that relationship. Why does he whisper? Because he's close and he's drawing us close to him. And I know some of you came in here today just swimming in a sea of anxiety right now, swimming in a sea of worry, swimming in a sea of uncertainty, and your life vest is back on shore. It happens. We're human. This is life. But if you calm those anxious thoughts for a minute through prayer and thanksgiving, And listen, you'll hear him whispering to you. And he's saying, I got you. I'm never going to leave you. My arms are strong enough to carry you through whatever you're going through right now. And maybe you don't know that the God we're speaking of. And maybe you're also going through these storms in your life, these anxious thoughts and these stressful times. And I won't promise you that those will go away. But I promise you, if you turn your life over to Jesus, that God will always be with you and God will carry you through. And if you've never done that, if you have never asked Jesus to take over your life, to be the Lord of your life, we're going to ask you to do that today. We don't want anybody to leave here uncertain about their salvation, uncertain about their future, uncertain about their relationship with God. And we also want you to have God in your corner, God on your side, God whispering to you through the times of anxiety and stress and worry and fear and all those things that we go through in everyday life. And so 
with all heads bowed, if you would like to make a decision today to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'll say this prayer together. Jesus, I am a sinner. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. Jesus, I believe you are the Savior of the world. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. And I turn towards you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father God, for anybody who has come to that place of decision today, we just want to thank you. We want to give you the glory because it's your grace, your Holy Spirit that pulls people. It's not my words. It's not me. It's all you. And we thank you for that. We thank you because we know you're celebrating for just one lost sheep to return home. And we're celebrating that with you, God. Help us, all of us, whether we're three-minute-old Christians or whether we're three-decade-old Christians or whether we've been doing this for a lifetime. Help us to remember that when when the storms of life get the loudest, you are whispering, drawing us close because you are near, God. Help us to lean on you. Help us to look to you in those times where our anxious thoughts get the best of us. And finally, God, we ask that you keep everybody here healthy and safe until we meet again. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Together as a church, we'll say amen. If you have made a decision today, we would love to know about that. You can note it on the backs of your cards. You can let us know online if you're online. Um, We'll pray with you. Uh, We want to get you involved in a church that can lead you along your walk, whether it's this church, we would love that, or another church, we'll help you with that too. Uh, We're equal opportunity Christians here. Um, So, you know, just let us know that. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.